All right. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening, wherever you are watching, listening to this video podcast. This is your Chelsea weekly feature. And let's be transparent about it. We are recording this. I am recording this on a Sunday. It is May the 2nd in this recording. However, you will not be listening to this. When you listen to this, it actually probably will be Tuesday uh, when you listen to this. But anyways, this is your Chelsea weekly feature. And it's been a great day for Chelsea women football. It's been a great day. The project rolls on. And to talk about the project rolling on as Chelsea makes it uh, with a wonderful, brilliant performance today, uh, just outstanding performance uh, to qualify to make it to the final of the Women's Champions League over Bayern Munich today. I have Rob Fratley from the CFCW Social. He's a senior editor there. Rob, how are you feeling? How are you feeling? I think relieved is the is probably the the word I can use that is um not going to require you to need to get the bleeps out. I think that's probably the 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 way to start. But it was yeah a a roller coaster of emotions for ninety plus three minutes and just a yeah you know, a great feeling at the end of it. I would would like to start off by saying commiserations to um any FC Bayern fans that are listening to the game and you know any FC Bayern Frauen fans because I know it's a horrible horrible thing. I've been there as a Chelsea fan before against Wolfsburg multiple times to lose semi-finals and semi-finals are the ones you never really want to lose because mm-hmm. team you remember losing finalists but you don't remember losing semi-finalists in you know the brunt brutal honesty um so yeah you know I have to offer them commiserations first and foremost and I'd also like just uh, say a speedy recovery to Chloe Kelly of Manchester City after you know a horrible looking injury today completely innocuous and accidental but as I've said before I never like seeing any player from anyone get injured, we have to remember it's their jobs and, you know, it'd be the equivalent of getting an injury at work. You'd hate to see it happen to your colleagues. So it's, you know, important to mention that. And with the Olympics coming up, it's such a shame to see, you know, a really good season ended prematurely and hopefully it's a swift recovery as soon as possible. Uh, hopefully so. Um, I did not get a chance to actually see it, but I did hear about it um, and it was dreadful, uh, you know, and just have our descriptions of it and so forth. So um, much hope for Chloe Kelly recovering quickly uh, and smoothly, more importantly, to get, you know, to be able to get back to action when it's possible to do so. Uh, and yeah, it, it's uh, it, the sport can be rather brutal at times. And that was one of those moments uh, for that to happen Uh, in terms of Bayern, you know, this was Rob, one of those matches where I'm watching as a neutral. I have no, I have no, dare I say dog in the fight, as they say, Uh, I'm not, you know, pulling for one team or another. And I I don't remember a team or a a game like this where I don't I didn't see anyone really making like huge horrific like errors. This was beautifully played, and two teams that were really great and really brilliant and really deserving. And one team came out on top. I mean, Rob, what was your impression as you're watching? And I I guess from a Chelsea fan perspective, uh, it was very nerve wracking. Uh, you know, because it is a semifinal. This is big. This is huge. This is nine years of work, and and you've had other attempts at getting to the final before that have not gone so well. So, as you watched it, what what were you what were you feeling and thinking? So I'll, I'll start by saying at the end of the last week's leg, Emma Hayes came out to the Chelsea fans and said, like, you know, we've seen the Bayern celebrations here, but I promise you, I'm going to get them ready to give the performance their life and. You know, you know my opinion on Emma Hayes. You know, I think she's the best coach in women's football. She's arguably, I think, one of the top ten managers in world football. Um, 
and she was 100% right. I think to a letter today, every single... The only Chelsea player I think who had a poor game, ironically, was the player who I thought had the best game last week with Melly Leupold's. Um And I thought at times she was a little bit, uh, sort of, you know, looked a little bit lost, was poor in possession, especially in the first half. But other than that, to, to a player, everyone was absolutely outstanding. Um, I, I mean, you know, so, so I can't think of any single player there that comes off the pitch and doesn't at least get a 7, 8 out of 10. Because they were just, you know, they were up against a world-class outfit in FC Bayern, um, a side that don't, despite the recent stumble, don't concede many goals, are very difficult to play against, have world-class operators in their own, you know, attack their own defence, have a quality midfield, have a great goalkeeper in Ben Carth, and it, you know, and a top manager. Um, and I said in another podcast that that to me they were the most Chelsea side left in it. Bayern. No, that sounds odd, but they're the sort of side that you watch, and at times they don't look particularly brilliant and cohesive, but they just get the job done, and they're so good at just grinding it out and grinding it out. And that's what Chelsea have been so good for. And I will never, you know, I do not think that's a bad trait whatsoever. Winning ugly and winning when you're not playing very well is the hallmark of a top top team. And I said that last week Bayern did exactly that against Chelsea, and Chelsea weren't at the races, and they, you know, could have. Could have, maybe should have made it 2-2 in the first leg. But as it happens, they came back to Kings Meadow and needed to score. And I think from minute one, you could see the intensity was there. That start, there was so much, you know, it felt suddenly so much sharper. And I think they benefited from the week break. Because as I said last time, they had that tough game against Manchester City midweek. And that did take a lot out of them. But obviously, you know, Chelsea attacked well. And with their first real sort of proper opening, Kerr and Kirby, I'm running out of words to describe the two of them. This was just, you know magnificent play from Kirby for the initial run, finds Kerr. Kerr showed real great vision and instinctive pace to get into that space. And as soon as she's moving away, you saw the defender sort of move towards her. And that opens the gap up in behind for Kirby to sort of be slotted in. She's stayed on side. And as soon as it came to Frank Kirby, I think it's getting to a point now where it's a, if Kirby misses from that position is when you're surprised. You're no longer surprised if she scores from there. And, you know, it beautifully sort of tucked away across the goal. And, at that moment, I think Byron were a little bit rattled. You had Kirby in down the wing as well. She had that sort of chipped effort towards the back post that I thought was going to go in and be absolutely brilliant. Unfortunately, sort of, again, it was the weird ones. It stayed in and Ben Carth then came steaming out and had to put it out for a throw-in because I think everyone sort of misjudged it and sort of the replays in, certainly for UK media, were busy showing the Kirby effort again. Uh, then you had Ingles sort of put it over the crossbar. You had the... Um, the, the deep cross towards Kerr that the defender sort of had to just head sort of past her own goal and it could have gone absolutely anywhere. And for the first sort of 25 minutes, I think Chelsea were really, really in control. But then Bayern had a couple of, you know, half chances to sniff forward. Carter made that one really, really good block. Um, to deny. I think it was Lena McGall. And it's what, you know, a top team does is that if they break on you, you knew there was going to be a chance. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the equalising goal from them on the day... Uh, yeah. If you haven't seen it, go and find somewhere. I know we're on, you know, I know the black will be over by now. Go and find it somewhere. It's worth it. It's one of the best goals you'll ever see. Uh, played out, you know, corner played short, cleared away to Sarah Zadrazil. Um, one touch to set himself. And if you want to see how to strike a football, it, it's like that. Just perfectly sort of hit. And it, I, I do like what they say. It's always better when a goal screens in off the crossbar. It just makes a goal that, you know, 10, 100 times better. I don't even know why. But it's just that feeling of, you know, the short, short, double. and AKB just sort of looked at it. And I can, you know, I, bizarrely, I saw some people criticising her for it and say, you know, oh, her positioning is not good. 
what on earth did you want her to do? I, I don't understand how on earth you could, you know, I, I saw the goal and I just, you know, it's one of those ones where if you'd been in the stadium, you, I reckon the home fans would applaud it because it's that good a goal. And, you, you know, you've just got to legislate for stuff like that. It's what world-class players can do. And so I, I, this is where I want to pause you right here is because this was the first 30 minutes was like, this is when things were really, I think, the most critical mm. one way or the other for this match. Because because it was so important for Chelsea to jump on top again. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the, the first goal of this game was going to be so absolutely critical uh, to everything how this thing was. And Chelsea came out, and I totally agree. They came out with total inspiration and so forth. I have a quote from Emma Hayes after the match earlier that I want to uh, read to you. You've probably already seen it, but, uh, you know, talking about the pregame. But, um, but it was just so important for Chelsea to go out on top. But the intensity was there. I think the intensity was there on both sides. Uh, but it was clear that that what Chelsea wanted to do was go out quick, as they typically have tried to do, and try to get that first goal within hopefully the first 15 minutes. And they were lucky to – well, not lucky. They were – I wouldn't say they're lucky because they weren't. Yeah, I mean, they just played their game. There was no stopping. And, yeah, I totally agree. Uh I when Kirby when Kirby got the ball on her foot, it was a I to me I was like, yep, yeah, that's going in. I, you know, I, that that ball is going in. I have no doubt in my mind that it was going to go in because I was like, yep, yeah, when she when that pass went to her and it was a beautiful pass, uh, I was like, yep, yeah, that's it. It's going to be one nil and it's game on at this point. It's you know it's now aggregate two two um, and so forth. So. You know, it was huge. Now Chelsea's up on the on the away goal rule because it's one nil in regards to that. And so I'm sitting here in my head, uh, can, trying to configure away goal rule and who has a you know. Yeah. Uh, and then the funny thing is, the funny story is, Rob, I, I couldn't find this match on what I was uh, where I found the first leg through Chelsea mm-hmm. and so forth. Yeah. So I had to watch the match. From the FC Bayern with the German commentary <laughs> with a German commentary. <laughs> I have, a, I, Which have I don't know story. German. <laughs> yeah, I have another story of the German commentary that I'll get onto. But I was like, it was like, but I, I heard enough on there to be like, <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, that commentator didn't like that. Um, so, mm. so they were down one nil, but it was so you know, and yeah, you're right, Rob. The, the Byron was ran the risk within about two or three minutes of the of again the, the what I call now called the Chelsea domino effect, which is yeah. one goal goes in. Then they, you strive to get another one while the other team is reeling back from it. And then, you know, hope maybe they'll get a second, you know, before the other team kind of catches their their foot to beat again, right? But, you know, Byron came back within about a few minutes. They kind of came back into it because I saw that they were, you know, they were they continue to play open. They continue to, to play their match. Uh, the way they wanted to for the most part. Uh, and they started getting a couple of good chances about four or five minutes later. But then I, I felt like, you know, Chelsea was in control, you know, it looked like they were building in control despite Bayern getting some chances. The defense was really resolute on Chelsea's side. Um, but then that that magnificent, brilliant goal that, yeah, no, there is no goalie anywhere that was going to get that (laughs) it was so beautifully shot and i was i remember watching it and then the german commentators uh you know were just like they they didn't have words 
they, yeah. they were oh, laying there in words. It was so well done. They were like, wh- I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, completely understandable. And again, again, if that doesn't win goal of the season this year in the in the UWCL, right. I'll be, you know, I, I joke that in the Champions League, uh, the men's competition, Chelsea's seen goal of the season scored against them with Taremi's bicycle kick for Porto. And now right. we've seen it in the UWCL as well with uh, Zadra's, yeah, that, you know, to be, to beat Anne Katrenberger, it has to be some sort of a very good strike anyway, unless she's made a mistake. And we saw that last week, Hannah Glass's goal. And we saw it again, you know, there. Um, to, to me, a couple of minutes later, actually came the turning point, I think, in the tie. And the really big moment, I think, Bayern will maybe look back on and say, yes, this is, you know, where we lost it. Because um, that Meli Lurpols was, uh, had the ball nicked off her by Bernstein. And mm-hmm. uh, it was slipped yep. through. And Leia Schuller was in sort of one-on-one. And I, I've seen Leia Schuller... You know, brilliant technical finisher, just caress it into the far corner. So, and she almost, I think, took the wrong decision because she sort of tried to put power behind it. And mm-hmm. when you put power behind a strike, it's very difficult unless you're directly in the that direction, um, directly sort of looking at the point where you're going to sort of shoot and directly aiming your boot towards it. Then it's really hard to sort of get power unless you hit it with the outside of the boot and curl it. And because sort of the way she was hit it, it was always going wide as soon as the strikes. I don't, know, I don't think AKB would have got there if it had been on target, but it was always going wide. And as soon as that effort sort of happened, I mean, Chelsea arguably could have had the penalty a few moments beforehand. There was that effort with G on the on the box that I thought was... It, there was contact made, but I didn't think it was enough to give a penalty. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. sort of you almost had the you know the perfect storm because up the other end, Chelsea, Ingle, the really good ball through to Kerr. And Kerr looked like she was just going to get away and lay in a Magool put in what I suppose you would probably call a good foul because it sort of stopped Kerr having that sort of chance right in the box. It wasn't a penalty and it was, you know, a sensible yellow card. And then G sort of, you know, completely got the first free kick wrong. And as soon as that, I sort of groaned. And then it sort of came back to her and had a very weird goal. Where it sort of, she almost mishit it. And because she mishit it, that's why it went in. Because I think everyone expected it just to sort of bobble wide. And it sort of just went through. Millie Leopold stepped out of the way and it sort of just unapologetically bobbled into the side of the net and it's so, yeah me, you yeah you just wanted yeah to realize I, that it had gone in right and so then there yeah so there is so you mentioned the really critical five minute period in the 38th minute that turnover happens and there's a breakaway that you just described byron you know and she hits it wide where i thought you know it's like I, I was really thinking. I was really thinking that that they were going to get a goal there. Yeah, I, I thought. You know, I thought they were going to get a goal there, and this thing is going to turn on its head. You know, it again, I'll, I'll yeah. I mean, it would have turned. Yeah, uh, because then it would have been you know two goals up on aggregate at that point at four two, uh, and so I was like, and then she missed it, and then five minutes later, yeah. What I what I saw that ball go in from the free kick hit. You know wasn't hit very well bounces right back to g and then she hits it again hits hits it takes a shot i could i could swear how how many times does that ball get blocked mm. get knocked ricocheted off someone's knee i mean and oh, so forth it just went through a whole bunch of trees mm. I, it reminded me of someone trying to hit a golf shot in a forest where you're just <laughs> trying to not hit a tree with the ball mm-hmm. and and then because that ball just somehow managed to get through what seemed like when i saw it on replay over and over again like 25 sets of legs 
and then somehow makes it into the into the back of the net and i'm like okay i i mean i don't believe in luck i i I don't but somehow that ball made it all the way through there i mean credit to her she took her took the shot and it went through uh and then and then here we are now it's now back on three three aggregate and um you know now you're taking the away goals out of the out of the mix Mm. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it sort of, I think it'd be fair to say, I think Bayern probably had a rocket from their manager at halftime. And he, you know, his his message would have been clear, you know, one away goal and we're effectively through here. And I right. think it would have been a fair, you know, that that's a fair team talk to make at that point. Mm-hmm. And the yep. goal would change everything. And they came out and attacked really well. I thought the, I thought Carter made another terrific, magnificent block at the far post, terrific header to head away after she got a nonsense yellow card. Um, Again, the refereeing in this tie left a little bit to be desired, although it was significantly better than the previous weekend's one, and also in the buyer in the Barcelona PSG game, significantly better refereeing today. Um, but I thought you know there was a terrific block, but Magda Eriksson again, just such a wonderful centre back, and always and just perennially in the right place, right time, as we'll come on to sort of later, and for sort of. Chelsea went right at that early Bayern storm, and you saw Leah Schuller come off, and that sort of. I think at that point there was a sign of respect in many ways that, you know, the top goal scorer being sort of subbed off and needing to change sort of tact. And Chelsea had their own sort of chances on the break. And there was that whip cross by Nelly Leopold's that sort of Ben Calf could have left it and it gone out. But instead she sort of flapped it. And I think Chelsea sensed that element of nerves and it looked anyone's game for about, I'd say 20 minutes from that period of maybe the 50th minute to, or 55th minute to the 60, 75th minute, because there were sort of chances that, either end and opportunities missed sort of the final ball was missing there was some really good defending there were some niggly fouls as you sort of expect in this sort of game but the the thing that the two things that sort of really turned it for me was that Seaman uh, Caroline Seaman's sort of challenge on um I want to say it was, was it Sam Kerr that led mm-hmm. to her getting um booked and also having to come off injured that was a big blow for Bayern because they lost a lot of that stability. And Caroline Wenninger is a fantastic footballer and a great servant to FC Bayern and, you know, is a real credit to women's football, a real legend of women's football. But it's clear now at the end of her career, her legs are starting to go. And as soon as you had that, it was an invitation then for sort of Charles and Carter, whenever they found themselves on that side, to zoom forward. And as sort of it happens, you know, we have another Chelsea break. There was one, I believe it was... um led by sort of Penilla Harder with the early pass to Fran Kirby, and then Kirby tries to find Kerr, and it was some excellent defending. And suddenly, you know, you look at the clock and you're in the 80th minute. Mm-hmm. Um, the second half sort of just flew by in that in that regard. Um, yeah, I spent like 15, yeah, that that there was a 20-minute period where I was on the edge of my seat because I was like, you know, I, I was feeling like whoever gets the next goal wins the tie. You know, and it could be anybody at this point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, things really definitely changed when Simon went off. Uh, you know, and it was like that because it, it really not only was her losing her for Bayern a tough a tough one to swallow, uh, given you know what they needed what needed to happen next, but. It, it slowed every, it stopped play. Yeah. It stopped play mm-hmm. for a significant amount of time. It stopped their momentum. Yeah. Uh, and it, 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 you know, again, a replacement had to be come in. That was not, you know, was not. It, it was, it was very the, odd that because it took so, and this was what I was it really took forever. <laughs> is that I'd have thought, you know, okay, I can understand. Clearly she wasn't going to continue. 
I can understand mm-hmm. if the player was up walking, if you, you know, want to give him and say, oh, you know, try five minutes. But she clearly wasn't going to continue. And yet there was no substitutes visibly warming up at the beginning. Right. And I think, yeah, right. Chelsea had a couple of set pieces where they had the player advantage. And I was sort of tearing my hair out a little bit at that point because that was when if you moved it quicker and you use that extra space, you take real advantage of it. Um, Absolutely. It, yeah, it was very odd because it took, yeah, it took, so there was a good seven, eight minute period where there was, you know, they were down to 10 players and didn't really capitalize um, on it. But yeah, I, I think, you know, as, as soon as it sort of hit the 80th minute, it's sort of, you know, it, I think something switched on in both sides and, you know, they realized that, hang on, if the other team score here, chances are they're through. And, Again, as I said, you had that Chelsea effort. You had Dalman's effort that was terrifically blocked by um, Magda Eriksson, who again was, you know, mm-hmm. absolutely imperious. And then you sort of have the third goal, which is again setting the scene. Jess Carter getting down the right-hand side, and she was cynically sort of taken out on the, just outside the box again by Berenstein. And it's the sort of one again where it looks like a good free kick because they had a, you know, Chelsea had players' advantage, they had players getting into the box and, you know, there's the momentum. And if it had been a yard further forward, it's a penalty. So it looks like it should be a good challenge. And then Carter sort of stepped up and hit a really interesting delivery for me because I thought, you know, the better decision was to float it towards the back post because at the back post there was Millie Bright unmarked. And instead she hit a really low flat delivery, almost trying to, I think, in many ways, sort of trying to shoot for the far post mm-hmm. and shoot across goal. And it was the sort of one where so often you see those deliveries just sail past everyone and sail all the way through. But they're the sort of delivery, if you get, you know, the deftest of deft touches on it, it completely redirects it and makes it really, really hard for the keeper, especially at that closer range. And, you know, Penella Harder, if you want an example as a young, if you're a young centre forward or sort of attacking player watching how to make runs sort of in that start, terrific runs, sort of looping in and around and loops around the players and just got the little sort of glancing touch on it. And I think, you know, I think Chelsea's celebrations at that point showed that they sort of, you know, felt like, hang on, for the first time, the tie was sort of in their hands. Because even at 1-0 on the night, I think they were aware of Bayern's ability. But in this case, suddenly, you know, you look at the clock, there's five minutes left. Bayern, who have had some, you know, disruptions, have had to make changes. Suddenly, they're in a different situation that they've ever been in, in that they now need to score. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it... it uh... I was almost, con- I, I was, again, I was at the edge of my seat watching this. And then that, that shot that was uh, blocked by Erickson, uh, I was like, I was, I was thinking, oh, that was perfect right, right in front, but it was blocked. And, but that, but that led to a breakaway on the other side that led mm-hmm. to a breakaway for Chelsea. And that was, that was piv- pivotal because, you know, it's like, if that shot wasn't blocked, if that, you know, if that shot went through or, or, or went, towards goal or, or no, it was blocked, which led to a breakaway, which led, led the play to go all the way to the other side of the pitch on, you know, towards the Byron goal, uh, which then led to, you know, led to the Berenstein, um, you know, foul, which was really cynical. I, I didn't understand at this moment. Yeah. I mean, if I were a Byron fan, I would be, I would have flipped out because yeah. that was number one, horrible timing. It was cynical and the where you know where the foul occurred just outside of the box was like oh i mean it's like oh my gosh you know you just that's a free kick you never ever want to give away 
Uh, <laughs> it's difficult to, to, one, I mean, it's difficult, but you don't want to. At this I, moment, I, I, though, I'm going to play devil's advocate on that. There, how often do you see free kicks in that position? Where a club has a free kick and either overcooks it, okay. or puts too much on it, I, I, or gets it, or tries to shoot and the, you know gets. But it here's the thing, off. Rob. I th- I here's here's the thing. I think though the way because the way you know I was very surprised also the way that 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 free kick was was done. Right? It almost seemed like to me. I mean, I, I had this, and maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I, I, I don't believe in conspiracies or whatever. And it's not a conspiracy. I'm joking about that. But what I was thinking was they practiced this. Mm. I felt like that that particular type of free kick, maybe not from that exact spot, but it seemed like, you know what? It seemed like to me watching that over again, that that had been practiced that had mm. that there they had practiced for that type of situation where a free kick was in a weird awkward position out just outside the box maybe again not exact that location but it was like because because yeah you're right yeah the typical free kick would have gone totally a different direction maybe on the back post like you mentioned and so forth it seemed like that was a set play. That was a set play that they had figured out either in practice, in training, or on the fly to get it to harder or get it to whoever was going to be close by. And it just happened to be hard. It just seemed like that that had been. I, I said, I said last week, I thought Chelsea, you know, could hurt Bayern at set pieces. And I, you know, I maintained mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I maintained that. And I did, you know, I thought that they were marking zonally. And be, I'm a staunch believer in man-to-man marking um absolutely like uh, my favorite absolutely is the zone a zone does not score a man does in the same way of putting a player right. on the post the post right. does not score a player scores um mm-hmm. and i've had loads of furious arguments with people about this who whip out all sorts but of it just doesn't make rob it doesn't make any sense to do zonal marking on on set pieces no i can i can it, it, it doesn't can make sense though I can understand a mix of work getting to it. I can understand a mix of zonal marking and player to player marking if you have a situation where, for whatever reason, you have the advantage in the box. I can understand then choosing to mark a couple of them. Or alternatively, okay. if you've got someone like your centre forward back and you're asking them, like Kai Harvitz is really good at this um, for Germany and for Chelsea, marking that zone right by the near post where they can get first contact because of their height when it's a flatter delivery. I can understand that sort of zonal marking. What I can't understand is marking and standing in, you know, a set line. And there were three buying players. What really would have annoyed me is that there's a fact there's three buying players sort of at that near post area, almost all stood in a line, and Penilla Harder in behind that. And all she has to do is peel off her marker. And suddenly, as soon as you've got it past the three players, all she's got to do is glance it in. And there were three players stood there. I mean, I think partly, but partly it's, it's very difficult because, again, it's a great delivery from Carter. And it's hard to defend good deliveries, but right. I think you know, looking back on it, they'll be disappointed. And then, as soon as that happens, you know, Anna Hayes turned to her bench and is looking on there and seeing, right, what defenders have I got on? Because all we need mm-hmm. to do is park the bus at this moment in time. Well, that's another reason why I was like, it was so ridiculous to have that foul. Uh, mm-hmm. That you know, setting up that free kick that late in the match with yeah, everything the still would, with uh, everything still on the line. The other argument uh, I would give you for that. I, I'll give for that. And this is one, you know, that I, I've said it to people. I can understand. So well. If Chelsea got everyone forward, Bayern had two players on the edge of the box in uh, SAE and um, Dalman, who are both very quick. 
if they'd have got it out and broke very quickly, you had a situation where I think the one player back for Chelsea was Sophie Ingle. And as good a player as Sophie Ingle is, it's very hard to defend against two players when they're running at you and they can literally just square it across. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was, you know, it, it's a high risk, high reward. But as soon as that goal sort of went out, yeah, I think it, the final five minutes was just pure chaos. Um Obviously, oh, yes. Bayern suddenly, oh, yes. <laughs> suddenly realised that, hang on, we're now out of the tournament and right. started to, you know, just throw the absolute kitchen sink at it. And Chelsea were clinging on for, you know, I mean, that Sam Kerr miss, uh, first and foremost, and I, I thought it was brilliant. You know, Magda Eriksson cleared it out beautifully to Neem Charles, a little turn from Charles, and then a wonderful ball down the line. And I thought, you know, Kerr speeds away from the defender and I was ready to, you know, get up and celebrate because... I've seen Sam Kerr in that position all season long. It's no longer September. She's no longer putting this wide. She's just cut and then she curls it wide. Um, and even at the last minute, I thought it was just going to curl right back inside the sort of post to sort of kiss the post on the way in. And I, you know, I was thinking, Christ, if you know, if we don't end up winning this, then there's going to be some blood for Sam Kerr on social media. Um, unfortunately, even still during the boycott. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then Bayern sort of went right at the other end and had that effort cleared off the line. I'm still not, you know, I've watched it a few times now. From what I understand, AKB makes an initial save, comes, goes to the corner. She punches the initial corner, saves the next one with her feet, and then the ball's sort of bouncing around. And it's sort of not great contact from close range by Assi, but it's just enough on it that Magda Eriksson's able to then sweep it away. And then there was a really good block, I think, from Sam Kerr down in the left back position. And then she ends up clearing it. Um, yeah, as soon as three minutes went up, I was like, well, this is just going to be a crazy sort of three minutes. And I think that was stipulated by the fact as soon as sort of hit the 90 minute, they won a corner and Ben Carth is steaming forward. <laughs> and I've always been, you know, I always, I always love late on in the game, whatever match it is, to see the goalkeeper come sort of steaming forward because it's always right. absolute chaos when mm-hmm. they get up in the box. And, you know, Bayern put in a few really wicked deliveries um, and none will say there, but another one in, you know, the initial volley, if it had been better contact, maybe on target. And then the second one that's cleared out wide, Lerman gets in an Asai, sort of, uh, not Lerman, sorry, it's a a crossing sort of from the wing and uh, sort of Asai got up and it just hit Magda Eriksson and went wide. And suddenly again, you then had a situation sort of 30 seconds later where Chelsea are up the other end of the corner. And I thought they were just going to waste all the time out in the corner. But of course, that'd be far too simple to do that mm-hmm. and then there's that sort of final buying corner and it comes in it's just absolute complete <laughs> just complete carnage just legs flying everywhere just throwing boots at it. what i did particularly then enjoy is the way it's cleared and um sort of chelsea broken there was the initial foul on uh i think it was i think it was jiso yun was initially fouled by about three players including the goalkeeper and then erin mm-hmm. cuff turns and produces one of the passes of the season like under real pressure to turn that well and to play a brilliant sort of 40-yard pass through for Kirby to sort of be running onto. And Emma Hayes sort of summed it up brilliantly in her interview. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but she sort of says that it got to the final bit and I saw Erin clear it and I just thought with Kurt, with Tefran, go one-on-one. And then I realised there was no goalkeeper. <laughs> and uh, what I also particularly like from the other angle is that, I, and I don't know if you would have got this in the um, with the German coverage, but... Ben Carth, after the ball was played, rather than try and get back to her goal, she stood arguing with Cuthbert on the halfway line yep. and stood remonstrating with her. And I thought he was just absolutely bonkers. I mean, Kirby, you know, Kirby is not missing an open goal. And it was sort of lovely to see how everyone, even though they were exhausted by the end, mustered up the energy to go and celebrate with her. You saw Emma Hayes sort of, you know, 
going down the touchline. I, I did feel for the Bayern players at the time because they've given everything in the tie and it was a you know 4-1 on the day. Looked at yeah. it, you look at that as a neutral and think, well, they got thrashed. But the reality is it was nothing like that at all. Um, yeah, it, it, the, apparently, Rob, there is no German phrase or word for open goal. Um, uh, because it's really, it was really hilarious because, you know, I, again, I don't know German y'all. I just don't, uh, I took one course, got a D, um, in college. So it was miserable. Uh, but, um, so the commentator, you know, is, is sad because it's, of course it's a Byron commentator. I could tell that at least. Uh, and then all of a sudden I, you know, heard the name Kirby and I heard open goal, <laughs> Like there's no German phrase for open goal. Apparently, there's a German phrase for everything, but not open goal. Mm. So that was very distinguished. Uh, but yeah, it was total and complete mayhem. I mean, it was mayhem. I mean, I loved it. I, I loved seeing mayhem. For you know, I don't know how I, I was. I think you were ans- answering the question I had is what happened in that final minute of regular time where that ball seemed to be just bouncing around everywhere. Berger somehow got one save out of there. I don't yeah. know if she had two. It bounced off everyone, it seemed, and somehow didn't get into the back of the no, net. Uh, you know, and it was just, it was absolute mayhem, legs everywhere. I'd never seen, uh, it, you know, again, I've never seen actually, um, I mean, of course, I've seen goalies many, many times, you know, go all, you know, opposing goal, goalies try to jump into the, into the play to get a, you know, get a goal at the end. I've never seen it work, but I'd never had seen it backfire uh where the other team actually scores like in mm-hmm. hockey uh and so which is what kind of crossed my mind when when uh you know kirby's goal went in but i i really did feel you know uh, i i you know i get emotional in moments where you know the game ends and it's you know a game like this where both teams gave 150 percent one team ends up having to lose uh the score line isn't you know doesn't tell the story at all uh, and the players, I, I, I was very emotional about the, the, the celebrations on the Chelsea side, but also just the bitter disappointment um, and heart heartbreak on the other, mm. um, you know, seeing um, Baron Berenstein on the, you know, on the ground, just crying, sobbing, uh, you know, I mean, you just could see on both, both ends of the spectrum, how much yeah. this match meant for the winners and for and the I will, losers. I would, um, I would also, on that point, I would like to, there's a couple of things that I, you know, feel it's important to mention is that mm-hmm. firstly, I, I was especially delighted that it was Frank Kirby to sort mm-hmm. of get the final headlines because again, and I've spoken about it before and the, the story of Kirby to even be back playing top flight football after the pericarditis that she's had is, you know, is incredible. The fact that she's now in a situation where, She's come back and is arguably the best player in the world. Um, and I think, you know, I if Chelsea win the UWCL and win the WSL, I think she's a shoe in to win the Ballon d'Or next year. Um, and if she does it, you know, there will be there, there should be serious questions asked about what on earth, you know, you have to do to win it because mm-hmm. I think it's 40 goal contributions now in in total for Chelsea this season. Um, and, you know, it's a sort of her post match interview is one that if you want to know what it's like to come back from injury and to be in a really dark place again, as she was sort of 12 months ago and to have to see your team sort of, you know, go ahead and lift the title without you and to sort of be, you know, have to come back and work your way through that tough, tough rehab. It, it you know, meant a lot. And then I also 
will say Emma Hayes. I've I've seen Emma Hayes lose semi-finals. I've seen. I'm not going to pretend Emma Hayes is a good loser. I don't, I don't think it's a good thing to be a good loser. <laughs> I, should, I should say that. I don't think it's a good thing to talk about. I've seen Emma Hayes lose semi-finals before. And, you know, her emotion... Again, I've got a bit of a quote from from her, if that's um all right, that I just want to quickly... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. I, I, I may have the same quote. <laughs> like, go okay. ahead. Do you want to go ahead with your one, first and foremost, and then... No, I mean, I just loved, uh, you know, I, I just loved, uh, you know, I uh, got this from The Athletic uh, when they, you know, posted that uh, Chelsea had won and move over. But, uh, you know, but uh, the quote is, you know, from Emma, it says, quote, I worked my whole life for today and I'm so bleeping yeah. <laughs> proud of those players. It was important for English football that we made it. It's one of the best in the world and us getting to the final shuts up Europe in terms of what we're doing in this country. And now we've got to face another tough team, Barcelona. Wow. Before the game, I played them a video from a UFC star. It was about a minute long. And she was talking to herself saying, I am the best. I am the best. She won the fight. And straight after the fight, somebody interviewed her and said, you were saying to yourself, I am the best. And she said, yeah, but I am the best. That's what I said to the players before the game. Someone described us as mentality monsters and we're the best. And we're in this position because we deserve to be. End quote. Mm. And you just to follow up with that, this was also, you know, uh, another thing I think was perfectly encapsulated is that, that Emma Hayes, I'm going to say this to every coach sitting at home. This is thousands of hours, thousands of hours of traveling, thousands of setbacks. I'm so mm-hmm. proud of myself that I got to this level through my hard work and determination. Mm-hmm. And I'm fortunate enough to be working for a football club at Idol and to work with a set of players that are always in control. I'm glad they felt they were because I felt I never was. Um, uh, you know, I, I I will particularly say that I was very... I, I'm a big fan of sportsmen shipping in the mm-hmm. game and sort of you know, be sporting. I was very pleased to see before she went and joined the Chelsea celebrations at the final whistle, Emma Hayes made a note to go to every single Bayern player and the coach and all the members of the technical staff and go and, you know, commiserate them. Mm-hmm. Because, as I've said, she has been in that situation before, and Chelsea have been in that situation before, um, multiple times against Wolfsburg, and it is not a nice feeling to mm-hmm. you know, be in that situation, especially for players this season where it has been a tough, tough year, and they haven't had the fa- you don't have the fans in there, to, you know, to support you. In some cases, you aren't even allowed to go and see your friends and family, and you're stuck in a low, in a bubble. And, you know, when you're winning and you're at the top, it's, it's brilliant. But, you know, when you're not and things don't go your way, it can be a very lonely place. And I think it's important, you know, to to mention that. Um, I'd say it's only a bit of a tra- – it's just a real travesty that, again, fans weren't able to go in there because I think you would have had a packed out King's Meadow. I think you would have had an incredible atmosphere. And, you know, I'd go as far as to say it's the greatest game Chelsea have ever had at King's Meadow. Um, it was, you know, on that level of – that, that level of performance for me against a truly top, top side. I mean, if you'd have said to me a couple of months ago that Chelsea would face um, Wolfsburg and Bayern Munich and would come out of the ties and have scored five against both of them by the end of the tie, I'd have called you mad, um, mm-hmm. in all honesty, because of the way they play in the domestic leagues. And, it, you know, as a Chelsea fan, it gives me immense, immense pride and pleasure to be able to sort of say that we're in a UWSL final because it's a real you know, validation for a project that did start almost a decade ago. And it is testament to, and again, there's been a lot said about ownership in 
English football. And I have to give, you know, credit to Mr. Abramovich that he has made it clear that he will invest in the women's team, that he wants to make the women's team a, you know, world a world leading team. He wants to make them stars. He wants to make them the champions of Europe, the champions of England. And they've put the infrastructure in place. They've got a situation now where they have a world-class, not even 11, they have a world-class squad. They've got, you know, the best manager in the world. They have a great stadium in Kings Meadow that is their stadium, not just, you know, one that they're ground sharing. It is one that they actually, you know, own solely used for them and Chelsea's own sort of development teams. They have the youth system in place that's seeing us bring through brilliant players like Georgia Fox, Beaver Jones, um, Emily Murphy, Charlotte Wardlaw. And it's only, you know, going to get better and better. And it's the, I suppose if any, you know, I, I know they won't be listed, but if there are any prospective owners that are wondering why, yeah, you know, is it worth investing in the women's side of the game? What I will say is that in the past, you would have had, you know, younger girls looking up to sort of male players, and that's still completely 100% fine. But increasingly, isn't it wonderful that you're going to have a generation of, you know, young girls coming through where their idols are going to be people like Fran Kirby, Penilla Harder, Chloe Kelly, and on the other side of it, people that are going to have idols like Emma Hayes and Casey Stoney, and they're going to want to emulate them. And isn't it wonderful that the sport is now starting to get to that stage where they are getting the limelight they deserve because these are, you know, world-class people in their fields. And I think that's the that's the real big thing. And, I, you know, any any Chelsea fans that the weekend of the 15th and 16th of May, Chelsea men have an FA Cup final and the women have a UWCL final. It'll be a big, big weekend for the club. And obviously, you know, there's a chance that Chelsea men can also reach the UCL final. Um, yeah, you know, support them all, support both of them with your absolute, you know, the heart out. Because the stuff that Chelsea women are doing for the fans and the way they've sort of, you know, built a, a squad and a project there is truly awe-inspiring. And it is, you know, arguably you could be looking at one of the greatest women teams ever, um, in all honesty. And again, perhaps in a couple of weeks' time, they will, you know, we'll lose to FC Barcelona and people will, you know, then the inquest can sort of begin. But at this moment in time, it is Chelsea's sort of night for their first ever winner semi-final, their first ever final, and just an incredible performance. I mean, it's very clear to me. Uh, the one thing that really kind of warms my heart, and in, 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 as I've said before, I'm not, you know, I'm a neutral in all this. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not the biggest Chelsea fan. I'm not a Chelsea fan. Uh, but I, I, but in a sense, though, Rob, I'm a, I'm a fan of this particular team. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I'm not a fan of the the badge per se, but I'm a fan of this team. And, and let me explain. I I love stories like this, where this has been like a nine year project. You said nearly a decade, a nine year project that I and I've gone back and looked. I'm like, okay, there has been this uh, building up over a long period of time. This didn't just all of a sudden happen. Like all of a sudden, one year, boom, Roman decides I'm going to put all this money into one year. And then, boom, we went from nothing to everything in one season. No, this has been a project has been an ongoing project over a span of time, a very significant span of time, where in this very short attention span universe that we live in, nine years 
you know, may not have ever happened, you know, but this has been a project that's gone on for a long time, a slow building of getting better and better and better and better and slowly getting better and slowly getting better, making one more step, one more step. And yeah, there've been a lot of stumblings along the way. Obviously we just pointed them out, but obviously there's been not just a one-year commitment, a two-year commitment, a three-year commitment. It's been an ongoing commitment by, Roman, the owners, the um, the board, et cetera, in this project with Emma, who who obviously is one of the best coaches, period, in any sport, anywhere. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. I, this UFC uh, talk is going to be legend. I think, uh, <laughs> like what you you know, uh, the story. But there's a lot of other stories involved in it as well. Um, you know, so I. I I'm very happy to see them go forward because mm. this team is is a very likable, lovable team, uh, you know, to to really kind of follow. And it's been a joy to follow. It's been a joy to talk to you, uh, and and just watching this kind of transpire. Uh, two weeks time, you know, against Barcelona, who, um, you know, they they played. Uh, for those of you who don't know, or will probably will know by the time you actually listen to this thing, uh, you know they they played a you know they played a really tough pair of t- uh, matches against PSG. PSG tried to pull off the same thing that they pulled off when they knocked off Leon, you know, by going you know going to their field and had one goal they needed to just knock them off on an away goal, uh, and it just this time it didn't happen. It came quite close. Uh, you know, in the end, uh, but Barcelona made a made a significant tactical shift at the, in the second half when they got the second when they had were up two goals to move to a different formation and different s- strategy to see the game out, and it ended up almost not working, but it did work in the end. Uh, they're a really, really, really solid tie tie mm. team. Uh, you know, Barcelona is really, really good. They're just really strong, uh, but so is Chelsea. I mean, it's going to be, a, I think it's going to be a great final. Mm. Thought, thoughts well, on that? Uh, yeah, I, I have to agree. I mean, it, it, it's going to be a very interesting one for me um, because the first team, whoever wins it, will become the first ever club to have their men and their women have won a Champions League. Mm-hmm. Um, potentially, in Chelsea's case, if everything goes right this week, potentially you could have a situation where the men and the women both find themselves in the Champions League final. Um Again, I, I'm not so sure on that, but, uh, you know, I, I think I know at least one of them will be. Um, Barcelona are, you know, Chelsea have to give them respect because the way they dispatched Manchester City in that first leg, that could have been a complete hammering. But at the same time, in that second leg, we saw that, you know, they're not infallible and that you can get at them. We've seen that in the games against um, Paris Saint-Germain as well. And yeah, I, I just think it's going to be fantastic. There are so many wonderful sort of footballers that are going to be involved in the game. Hansen, um, sort of Laker Martins, who's a you know, personal favourite of mine. I think he's an well, absolutely wonderful sort of Rolls-Royce of a footballer. Obviously, sort of Kirby, Kerr, Harder. It, all I hope is that it just, you know, turns out to be a brilliant, brilliant game that is ex- as accessible. And I call on, you know, the TV companies, make it as accessible as possible. Put it on free-to-air online because you will get the views. I think I've saw was it something like, 300,000 in total tuning into Bayern's streams for the second leg. Mm-hmm. If you make it available, people will tune in and watch it. And especially, you know, the English side. And, I, and, you know, I know they won't want to say it, but secretly I know a lot of WSL fans will look at that and want to see the WSL sort of take the mm-hmm. win. They won't necessarily want to mm-hmm. see Chelsea 
do it, but they'll want to see it because of the pride of the league. At the same time, you'll have it in Spain with a lot of, you know, Spanish fans sort of the hopes pinning on it for Barcelona and the project of Barcelona Femini, which is another mm-hmm. similar story to what Chelsea have done. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what I think much so. you know, so that to be an absolutely fascinating sort of game. And I, I just really hope that, you know, it, I, I hope it is given the justice and the coverage that it deserves because these are two elite teams with elite coaches who are, you know, at the pinnacle, having incredible seasons at the absolute pinnacle. And, one of them is going to make history and they deserve that they deserve to be treated in that manner. Yeah, absolutely. Strong points uh, right there because neither team has won uh, a UWS WCL uh, before. Um, and Barcelona, they Barcelona come the closest. I think, um, I don't know if they were had been in a final before I believe yes, they have, they but um and um but you know so but that's also you're absolutely right that has been a, a significant long-term project as well uh and so forth i don't think a spanish side has ever won either is that correct i, I don't believe so no it just you know it's been passed between leon and uh right. Frankfurt and Wolfsburg. <laughs> right you know and and so if i'm correct the last time a the women's champions league winner came outside of Germany and France was in 2007 when Arsenal won. Um, so, if I'm correct on that, I think I am because it, because I think it's been Frankfurt, Wolfsburg, um, and Leon. Sorry, my brain just froze there for a second. But but yeah, I mean it's incredibly historic, and, and you know it's it's two great clubs, uh, you know, coming to get coming at each other. Um, it, it'll be great to watch. So, but. That's two weeks from now. So what is ahead for Chelsea next, Rob? And th- th- this is the other great thing I know is that after today's game, there will be celebrations. But I know from tomorrow, Emma will have the players refocused ahead of the tie on Wednesday, a, uh, a London derby against Tottenham, where they need to sort of win it, really. Um, mm-hmm. Again, they need four points, I think, in total, considering the goal differences to uh, sort of win the UWCL. Um, but I think Emma Hayes will want to win both the remaining games, and again, the game against Tottenham this week, and then a game against Reading next week to round it out at King's Meadow. Um, and again, someone said it would be you know, quite poetic to see a situation where Fran Kirby wins the WSL against her former club in a game where we're also going to see um, Jess Fishlock finish her professional career. Mm-hmm. Um, Jess Fishlock? Uh, no, it's not just Fishlock. I do apologise. It's not just Fishlock. She's just joined our reign. Um, ignore what I'm. Ignore me for a second. Okay. Okay. Um, I will. Uh, right. no, how did I get, get Jess Fishlock and Farah Williams confused? Ignore me. Uh, we're going to see Farah Williams finish her professional career. And again, I'd just like to you know pay tribute to England's record cap holder: 172 appearances, 40 goals for the national side. Played for Chelsea. Came through the Chelsea Youth Academy. Um, Spent time at Liverpool, won the WSL. Spent time at Arsenal, now at Reading. Uh, you know, is an icon in the women's game. Will be sorely missed, and it'll be great to you know. It would be would have been great to see fans in there to give her the ovation that she deserves. But yeah, it'll be a game I'm sure full of emotion for a lot of reasons, and hopefully we'll see Chelsea, you know, lifting the WSL at the end of the season after a tough, tough year, a tough battle against a very good Manchester City side, and hopefully you know claiming the next piece of silverware on the run to perhaps, you know, 
a treble, maybe a quadruple, perhaps even a quintuple if you're counting the Community Shield and the FA Cup that's going to be concluded later this year. Okay. All right. Hi. <laughs> My son just walked in the room. <laughs> he just like wanders in like, yeah. Well, nice, nice interlude there. <laughs> nice interlude, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it cannot be, I mean, it, it, it can't be um, undersold at all that, you know, the, the trophy hall that has happened, the trophy hall that, that, that Chelsea is on where it could be, three, four, five, treble, you know, everything. I mean, it, it's just really a credit to credit because the competition in WSL has been, has been difficult and competition in the Champions League has been a, a really hard road. I mean, it, it's, I mean, you're, when you say that, you know, we, we could be looking at one of the best teams ever. That's, that's not hy- hyperbole. Mm. I mean, it really isn't. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's not uh, when you think about it. And, and if, I mean, of course, I mean, what has to happen is Chelsea needs to win the trophies to really make it so. But I would, I would say uh, on the other side of that, you know, we probably are in one of them in Chelsea or Barcelona, perhaps in both of them looking at two mm-hmm. of the best teams ever. Yeah, that, that is also true because Barcelona, I mean, you just look at their, you know, look at their their score lines and just look at how devastating they, they have been uh, and so forth over in Spain. So really looking forward to it. But then, I mean, it's it's going to be two interesting matches for Chelsea coming up with Tottenham and Reading uh, and so forth to try to, you know, finish the job in terms of winning the, you know, winning the league at this point. So we will talk more about that, uh, you know, uh, next week uh, going forward. Um, any other things that you want to mention before we sign off for I, I think there's, there's, one, there's one final thing uh, that was given to me by one of my German friends sent to me um, who do speak mm-hmm. German. They had radio commentary of the uh, game. And uh, I think it was particularly, it did uh, give me a good chuckle. The uh, piece of commentary as the third goal went in is uh, quite, a, quite a great bit of uh, commentary, to be fair. Again, one of those ones you feel might be a bit of a classic line, but it was a, uh, and the third goal, it's Panilla Harder with the goal. It's always Panilla Harder against Bayern, the enemy of Bayern Munich. And once again, the ex-Wolf dags a, puts a dagger deep in Bavarian hearts. And, uh, I, you know, I, I thought it summed it up quite nicely. Um, it was always going to be... Panilla Harder was signed for big games like this. And, you know, it was great to see her get the goal that sent us to Gothenburg. Yeah, I mean, she was so chill. You took my laptop! Yeah. <laughs> Someone took your laptop. Yeah. You mean stole it? Yeah. <laughs> it was mommy and me. Okay. So yeah, I mean, yeah, that that is hilarious. Uh that is hilarious. Uh you gotta love it. <laughs> you gotta love it. <laughs> Wolf's death. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious, Rob. Uh, that's classic, man. That's really classic. All right. On that note, I think we should stop. I think we should end Um, and so forth. You can continue. You can go to sleep or celebrate or, and then go to sleep and then celebrate some more uh, and so forth. But, um, and so forth. So, um, but yeah, I mean, the men could make it to the champions league final too against Real Madrid. I don't know about that, but as you said, but that that could be uh, interesting, both men and women uh, in the champions league final in the end um, and so forth. So, all right. Thank you, Rob, for joining us on our Chelsea weekly feature that people will see on Tuesday. Um, and as we are been hit hearing to the social media boycott, uh, trying to put a shut a, 
shed a light on the the failure of these social media companies and the online abuse that has occurred against uh, footballers of all types uh, that has happened. Uh, we've been adhering to it. I know CFCW Social has been also adhering to it as well. So that's why this you're hearing this on a Tuesday recorded on a Sunday. So thank you, Rob, for joining us. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. All right. And tomorrow, and I'm not going to get the scoreline incorrect. So Manchester United actually did win 1-0 uh, against Bristol City. Uh, and uh, we will talk with Mark about Manchester United uh, tomorrow. And we will also talk with Emma uh, from the Man City Women fan cast. And we will talk to her about Manchester City and their game against Birmingham. And maybe there'll be some better news about Chloe Kelly uh, coming out of that talk. And then on Tuesday, we'll have Josh back to talk about Arsenal. Uh, and so forth. So in the meantime, y'all, we're going to close shop for Sunday or Tuesday or whenever you're listening to this. Please smash a like on the video. Please share the, the video or the podcast. We're on all the podcast platforms. Please do so. Word of mouth has gotten this video cast, this podcast growing as it has been. Uh, thank you so much for listening and joining. And please remember that the light is out there. Please acknowledge it. Let it become part of you. Also, unfortunately, you do have to acknowledge the darkness that is also out there. Do not let it hug you under any circumstance. But if it does, get help for yourself. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. And and I have a small hand here. Um, take care of each other. And England is Burning is out for Sunday. Bye. Good night. England is burning.